0: Sullivan testing the Portuguese... You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life.
1: Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. Before we get started into talking about the do's and don'ts of the final 40 days of marathon training, I want to tell you about a very special bonus episode you might like this week. You may or may not know this already, but Vinnie Mulvey has been coaching Sonia and I for the past year or so. He is, of course, one of the top physical therapists in the country and has a CV, the length of your arm, In terms of his own elite running and his work with some of the top athletes in the world today. In the bonus episode, I head over to his clinic in Ashburn to dig a bit deeper into the pitfalls of the last 40 days. The necessity of sports massage for all runners, nutrition, planning and of course, we talk about how to keep the whole thing fun in the journey. The bonus pod is an exclusive for our members over on patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. I'll be in Killarney this weekend performing my new stand-up show, Your Man at the INEC, on Friday night. Couple of tickets still available for that one. Do you want to meet me for a run? A long run on Sunday? You fancy 30k with me if you're up for it? Give me a buzz on the live line. It's 0447565 three four seven three five zero speaking of which let's get the goat on the line talk to jar on 1850 715 815 40 days out from the dublin city marathon yes <laughs> i don't know if this podcast induces panic in you when i say those numbers 40 days to go which can mean only one thing sonia everyone's getting a little bit nervous there's a lot of pitfalls that you can fall for in these precious last few weeks Sonia and I've been back and forth on the text trying to figure out what are the top ones and the one that caught your eye straight away Sonia was trying new stuff if we're to start the podcast with anything what do you mean by that one and why is that the biggest pitfall that people seem to stumble over
0: Well, I think as as the weeks count down and, you know, it it really starts to be hitting single digits. Uh, We we have a way to go for single digits, I suppose, but uh, (laughs) we'll be getting into the single month, I suppose, soon to go. And um, you do start to wonder, you know, are you doing all the right things? Is there more you can be doing? And is there something you can change? And that's the thing is everybody wants to know if there's something they can change. But I think the best people they find what works and they stick to it. And, you know, you can you can change after. I think you have to go a certain plan, you know, on the road that you're on and then when you run the marathon and then you weigh up, okay, do I need to do things different for the next time? But once you've committed to the training plan you're doing, the fueling you're doing, the food that you're eating, the shoes you're wearing, the gear you're wearing, I think you have to stick to it. There's still a few long runs to go. Is don't know. Do you have any? Is there any races planned in there?
1: I'll be doing a three quarters marathon on October eighth, and an awful lot of our listeners are going to be doing the half marathon uh, next weekend. But when you say that, when you bring this up, and we'll get to races because that I'm, sh- I'm sure there's a pitfall involved there as well. When you say you know trust in what you're doing, don't uh, you know veer off the path you've chosen? That can be tricky, right? For a couple of reasons. Number one, it's only my second marathon for other people. It's their first. So they're not totally at home or uh, their trust isn't in the process. They have nothing to reflect on and say, well, this worked the last time. What do you say to those people and how do they invest their trust when they're not totally sure if they're doing it right in the first place?
0: Well, I mean, You have to look just at your long run on Sunday. How many? You had a lot of people there. (laughs) It was loads.
1: We had a ton of them. About 30 showed up. Shout out to everybody who came out.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic, you know. And and I'm sure that's...
1: Watching the video back and everything, Sonia. How do I stop this? If people aren't following me on Strava, you can see there's a little montage video of each run, which makes everybody look really sexy when they're running along, even though the last five of these 30-kilometre runs, I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate to this, it's not pretty. <laughs> the last five, you're really, you're really getting those training gains. But you were about to say,
0: Yeah, I mean, when you're in a group like that, and, you know, many people will train in different groups of people, there's kind of a wealth of experience in there as well. Mm. This is probably what we're discussing today, is the the wealth of experience that surrounds you when you go out for these runs. The people you talk to, the people who think they know everything, and they have it all sorted out. And they have it all sorted out for themselves, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's sorted out for you.
1: Mm -hmm. But,
0: so I think if you ask people questions then you have to be in a mindset where you can weigh up what they tell you if you think that's something that will work for you or not. Yeah. And, if, you know, you can't, like, take on board everything that everybody says because that's way too much. Um, Because that's the thing about the marathon and, you know, training for us, fueling for us, it, it's different for everybody. Um, but there may a- be some little nuggets in there that someone might say to you, they might have some little trick that might work for you, you know, I don't know what it would be, but, you know, just something they learned from the mm. marathon, I mean, you must have learned something from your first marathon that you think, okay, I'm going to take this with me the next time and I'm not going to fall into that pitfall again.
1: Hundred percent. What do you
0: think was the biggest lesson that you learned mm. in your first
1: marathon? God. Great question, Sonia. I think it might be what you said, sticking to the plan. I mean, you and Vinny really drilled me on this is our plan. This is it. There is no there is a plan B if you pull a hamstring or a plan C if the heavens open and there's a thunderstorm. But really, there is a plan A that you are going to stick to if everything is there. And um, to open our episode about the pitfalls of the final 40 days of marathon training, I think that this pers- first piece of advice you're giving is that, isn't it? That have one voice, have one plan, stick to it and magpie what you can without deviating from that plan. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, the only time you should really need extra input is if something goes wrong mm-hmm. right, or there's something you're unsure of. and and you have to go and ask somebody, you know, if you have something sore or, you know, if you're just not feeling right, it's probably if some problems or issues creep up that you need a solution to. So, but if things are going smoothly, then you don't have to go looking for problems. You can just keep going along and keep doing the same stuff over and over again. And, you know, don't look too far ahead and always, you know, remind yourself of everything that you've done.
1: This is our pitfalls episode, and we've got so much more coming for you to enjoy throughout. But before we get to that, let's talk about what your week has been like, Sonia, over there. Obviously, the Diamond League final, uh, you were there to see this unfold. How was that? What was that event like? And is there a great sense of uh, schools out at the end of an event like that?
0: Yes, so definitely, is a sense of schools out, I think. A lot of athletes were hanging on for this one, but you know, and you wouldn't think it. You wouldn't think it was like that. Looking at the results, because the results were amazing. I mean, it was the best track meet of the year, really. Hmm. Um, based on you know two world records and so many people running, uh, you know, faster than they run all year. Um, it's a bit of a catch twenty two. This sometimes because you kind of think, well, if you're running your best, then you stop. There's no more races. Yeah. That you kind of need to take advantage of it and that i think is traditionally how you know the grand prix final or diamond league final would be would be you know athletes were just getting that last little bit out of themselves and it was more about winning the race and picking up the you know the big prize at the end you know you've put in so much effort over the season you've got yourself to the final and then it was time to cash in on the you know, big prize money that was on offer. <laughs> exactly, yeah.
1: And you, you, you was it wasn't diamond in your day? It was gold or something. Big gold bars you were walking away with, was it?
0: There was a few different things. There was a the Grand Prix final, and there was
1: the Golden Four. Ah, oh, yeah, that's right. the one.
0: So that was home with the gold bars. Yeah. So there were some, so many gold bars that were divided between, however many athletes could win all four. Um, I think it was Brussels, Berlin. Um, Zurich and Oslo. So if you won, they were the four main events. And then, of course, others wanted to buy in. I think Monica, Monaco came in and I can't even remember. There were seven anyway in the end. London must have been in there.
1: You wrote an article about this in the Times a few years back about oh, yeah, yeah. How, how you're trying to peak for these things. Uh, and in essence, when we've discussed the the elites, we've talked about how precise and measured, everything is the The proof was in the pudding. As you say, so many people peaked right on time for this event, particularly Jakob Ingebrigtsen. What's your take there, Sonia? Like when you look at this guy and what he's doing and how much he's blowing the sport up around the world, getting eyes on it. What's your view of this guy and what he's capable of?
0: Yeah, I mean, he was definitely put under pressure. This weekend, twice he was put under pressure in the, in the 1500, no, the miles, mm. by Jared y- goose. I mean, I think what happens with Jakob Inderitsyn now is that the athletes who have a chance of beating him or, I suppose, using him to get their best results, That they have to run fearless. Yes. And they, and they have nothing to lose, so they, you know, it's the last race. There's nothing to lose. And, you know, you just got to go for it. And, and so they don't—they're not worried that they're going to blow up and they're going to end up in fifth or sixth rather than second place or possibly first place. And they came very, very close. I mean, both racers—it looked like Jakob was going to get beaten, but he was so determined to win after losing at the World Championships to Josh Kerr in the fifteen hundred meters, who, interestingly, didn't turn up here. Mm, I saw that. And, so there's a few, I've heard him on a few podcasts and he's definitely one of these athletes who he obviously won the World Championships. That was the best thing he's ever done. And then he celebrated, yeah, he, he enjoyed it, which, you know, there's no harm doing that. But then you can't rise up to the same high level required to compete against Jakob again on the, yeah. you know, in the, in the final race. How- um, so I think Jakob is more of a, He's definitely more focused and he doesn't let his hair down too too easily.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, I wanted to ask you about your own athletes and how they fared during the the season and what the plan is for the upcoming year for Union.
0: Well, yeah, we're just trying to, I suppose, piece things back together here now and work out a plan for the upcoming year. We we didn't have athletes who operate like Yakov, anyway. <laughs> I mean, Raven Rogers probably was the best result of the year, finishing fourth at the World Championships. But she didn't have enough points to compete in the Diamond League final. Mm. And she couldn't. Sometimes they give it a wild card, which Jakob got that for the 3000
1: metres. Is there a sense, though, among the community that this guy is going to continue along this rise or can can athletes you know, rise too soon and you know, fall off in their 20s.
0: Well, Yakov, yeah, he's, he's still really young, really I mean, young. I think he is he like 23? Yeah, yeah, so he's still so young and he's achieved so much like practically everything except, well, I think he won the Olympic 1500 meters, mm. but not the world that's the one he's missing. And when someone has something missing, then they're still motivated to um, to get that. So if you ever listen to him in any interviews, he's still very focused on achievement and he wants to be the greatest and he doesn't believe anybody is of the same standard of him, mm-hmm. and of the training he's doing. So he's somebody who totally believes in the training that he's doing and he, he doesn't question it at all. He And he doesn't believe that anybody else is training or working as hard as he is, so then he doesn't understand when they can beat him, which is ra- which is rare when they do.
1: Yeah, he certainly rubs people the wrong way, as we've discussed on the show. Kira McGee, of course, finished eleventh. As Faith Kipyegeon really stole the show again. Faith, Faith is kind of the one that I think deserves as much talk as Jacob, but she doesn't seem to get it. Why is that? Is that just a bias towards male sport?
0: Yeah, I mean, she she gets some credit when she breaks the records, but. Yeah, then once the race is over, it's over.
1: Mm -hmm. It moves
0: on. I think it may be a kind of a a European thing that Mm. Jakob gets more attention. Yeah. The sport is so big in Europe. And I think when you have European athletes doing really well, then because the sport is popular in Europe, then people relate to it more. And they become more involved in it. Whereas... And, you know, there's so much talk about Jakob and his brothers and the training that they do. Yeah. Whereas nobody really knows the training that fate would do, that Kenyans would do. Yeah. I mean, that would be, it would be so interesting if you did know that or if you could find that out.
1: Absolutely. I mean, Um, it's so mysterious in many ways.
0: Yeah. But on Sunday, Udav Sege from Ethiopia ran the 5,000 meters. I don't know if you saw this one. And she ran 14 minutes for 5,000 Unbelievable. meters, Unbelievable. which is on the, She broke the world record by five seconds. And, you know, so close to being the first woman to run under 14 minutes for 5,000 meters, which is. You know, yeah. People would think that was nearly. That's like. That's very close to being like running under four minutes for a mile for women.
1: Yeah. Okay, incredible. And yet not carried on the front pages. I know. It yeah. It's just. I think the problem at the moment is
0: that breaking records is becoming too commonplace, that it's not unusual to do it anymore. And as great as these achievements are, the, the times are becoming a little bit, people just don't understand it. They can't relate to it. It comes back down to this relating to things again
1: mm-hmm. and
0: people just can't relate to it and when they can't relate to it, then they don't get invested in it. I think what would be really interesting. And people did this when, when I used to run against the Chinese back in 1993. These, there was journalists who would go to China, try and figure out what are they doing? They tried to talk to the athletes, try to talk to the coaches. Um, how are they able to do this? And, you know, this is something that we need to do with the Kenyan athletes, like the people, the group that face trains with, the Sege in Ethiopia, the group that she trains with, what, what are they doing? What makes them? so good. I mean, you can be naturally talented and gifted athletes, but you still have to work hard. You still have to train and you still have to be able to put in the work to to get these results.
1: The number one question you get asked around 40 days out and you're finding yourself out in one of those 30K runs with lots of well-meaning athletes and people just out there training is what time are you aiming for? Is selecting an arbitrary goal time a really crazy thing to do? Or is that actually something you have to do around now?
0: Well, it's good to have some parameters to stick to or to guide yourself with. And I mean, the big advantage that you have this time is that you've been there and done it. Mm. So you know what's possible and you know how hard you ran for that or, you know, the effort you put in. Yes. Get that time. And now you have to weigh up okay. Am I going to do that same effort and do it better because I've trained more for it? Or am I going to push myself a bit harder and, you know, see if I can improve my time? And it's really just to give yourself a focus and something to work on over the next few weeks. But then also when you line up to know what you're capable of. And I think for your mind, it settles it better if you have a realistic target to aim for.
1: Hmm. So what do you view outside of trying new things as the next top pitfall that people can avoid in this final 40 day period? So the pitfalls that can come up is that people can be ready too soon. Ready too soon. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I mean, there's a few people going, Sonia, really? My problem is that I won't ever be ready. But what do you mean by that? Literally peak too early, like we're talking about Diamond League.
0: yeah, I mean that you've ticked all the boxes already. You've done, you know, enough long runs. You've done enough sessions. You could run the marathon tomorrow if it was on, but it's not on for another 40 days. So now you've got to maintain this level of thickness, the level of focus and intensity that's required to, you know, keep yourself doing all the right things for the next 40 days. Hmm. So you have to be content with that and you have to surround yourself with people who are you know helping you along that way and that that you don't get distracted that things come up so i think the best thing anyone can have is you know you have this plan where you're going but you also know what else is going on in your life between now and then that you're able to balance it all out and manage it so that there's not surprises in there that kind of you know, take you by surprise and someone says, oh, I need you to do this next weekend. or we need to go somewhere. We need to do something. But you've got a big long run planned and you're kind of getting stressed about how can I keep everybody happy? So I think you have to manage how important what you're doing is to you and how it affects the other people around you and how you manage, you know, other things in your life is key because, you know, there comes a time people say, well, you haven't done that marathon yet. You're still training for it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's
1: fun. look, this That's is a really it, interesting one, it. right? So this is a very this one's really close to my heart, right? Because certainly training for London last time, uh, if people don't know, that was the first one that I did. We were against the clock Um, injured in October. Vinnie Mulvey very much getting me on the table and trying to piece me back together and get me trained in time for it. This is a very different scenario I find myself in now. Couple of 30 Ks uh, runs under the belt. Uh, I definitely relate to this, what you're saying, Sonia, that like I felt two weeks ago, if you put the marathon on in two weeks time, I would be good. Now uh, there is the potential for boredom, isn't there, creeping in if you're ready a little too soon. So let's say someone like myself is feeling that, Okay, I do have the mileage. I definitely feel like I could do 42 now if you asked me. How do you keep it interesting, Sonia O'Sullivan? How do you keep this maintain period going uh, and not dip into, I guess, boredom? That's where you have to have the
0: parameters and the goals and the targets. And like, you have to believe that you still have work to do. That you're not ready yet. There's still things you need to do.
1: Right. So, S- Such as?
0: Such as you need to get better at your long run. Like mm-hmm. so, you've you've done your thirty k runs, but now you need to throw in some marathon pace efforts in there, yep, and and feel like you can do that and you can recover from it, and you can get the benefit of it.
1: Those marathon pace efforts we have been throwing in uh, this weekend. Vinnie had us do three minutes on, three minutes off, again three times, uh, and you both had stressed last week to stick really closely to what is marathon pace effort. If somebody has, as I said, set an arbitrary goal, they've plucked it out of their air, they're they're really not sure what their marathon pace is yet. 40 days out, you kind of need to know what that marathon pace is, right?
0: Uh, you definitely need to have a good idea. So do you know what your marathon pace is right now? See, that, that
1: definitely I made a hames of one of those reps because I did it in four 430 kilometre pace and... I would say my marathon pace at the moment is closer to five minutes. Um, But I guess you've how does a person figure this out? Like, again, I do feel like even with all of your advice and all of Vinny's advice, I'm I'm still and it probably leads to a pitfall question that's coming. I still get very in my head and I know listeners can relate to this. The anxiety of am I really going to try and run a marathon? At five minute pace, that that question. uh, Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night thinking it, Sonia. Uh, Should your marathon pace scare you, or should you think, "Yeah, I think I could do that"? No,
0: you can't be scared. You can't sign up and be scared. (laughs) You have to sign up (laughs) thinking, "No, I can do this." (laughs) I think if anything, you set off at the marathon pace that you intend to go. So, if you're going five-minute pace, then you're basically aiming for three and a half hours in mm. a marathon. And, you know, if anything, you'd like to surprise yourself and maybe go a little bit faster Jesus, and break, break three and a half hours. You know, that would be the way to go. But the only way you're going to do that is if you don't set off too fast. Now, the problem, like you said, if you throw in a few efforts and they're going at 4.30 pace, mm-hmm. then the problem is that you can go that pace when you can go that pace. And there's always the worry that you will go that pace too soon mm. in the marathon. Yeah. And that's where you get in trouble because it will feel easy. And, because, and it's because you're getting fitter. And mm. because you're getting fitter, you're more able to run faster. But you have to believe that, yeah, I can run faster, but I don't need to run faster. Right. Yeah. And so when you're running those efforts in the park, I mean, there's, there's a vast difference between running five-minute pace and 4.30 pace per kilometer. Yeah, big time. That you should be looking at your watch and you should be slowing yourself down and saying, oh my God, this is so easy. I love it. And you feel like, okay, we've set off on this effort here, which is natural instinct to do, that you get yourself down to way faster than you should be going. And like straight away, you should be pulling the reins in and pulling Mm. yourself back and, you know, getting to the point where you're really just changing the way that you're running like the forum that you're running in, when you pick up the pace like that, you, you're just engaging your muscles differently and you're probably bouncing off the road and feeling, oh, this is fantastic, <laughs> I'm loving it. But <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, oh, I don't know, maybe, you need, maybe I need to talk to Vinny about this, but I think you should be going, looking at doing things like 8K at 5-minute pace.
1: Hmm. Well, we'll have a full... Episode with Vinny this week, a bonus episode for our members over on patreon.com. Vinny Mulvey, of course, Vinny Mulvey Fitness.ie, as I've mentioned before, absolutely brilliant coast, brilliant physical therapist who got me back on the road to complete the London City Marathon back in April. And yes, we will talk about that. Maybe I do need to be doing uh, eight kilometers at five minute pace. Maybe you do too. The only way to access it is. come on over to patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad for the price of a pint a month you get the big juicy 60 minute episode rather than the 30 minutes that you get here on the free platforms come on over today and we'll go around the parishes to shout out a few of our listeners over there next
0: one of the keys to like maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically you know exercise
1: wise